Are the cultures of China and Japan similar, which will contribute to the Chinese experiencing a lost economic decade like Japan in the 80s? Well, you could say the cultures of China and Japan are similar from our perspective, but our perspective, um, from the from, let's put it like this, from the Chinese and Japanese perspective, the United States and Western Europe have almost identical cultures. But if you come into the United States or Western Europe, we would say, oh, no, no, their culture is very different from ours. Once more unto the breach, dear friends. Else fill the wall up with our English dead. Good morning, ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, and welcome to another exciting episode of The Personal Wealth Coach, starring Jake and Jeff McClure. Together, we will speak at you in overly dramatic ways, as if we are 1940s radio announcers. Not quite. Maybe not. Accent's not quite right. I, I can do that, but that's because I remember it. 1950s, at least. Yeah. Uh-huh. Now, you've dated yourself, which is kind of narcissistic. Yep. Go, going well, on dates with oneself. Uh, I, I do. Yes. So this is the Personal Wealth Coach, where we have been known to make historical references that no one else gets, um, make puns that everyone gets and wishes that they hadn't. Uh, we are bald. We are bearded. We talk about economics. If that hasn't scared you off yet, then I'll get to the actual regulatory disclosures, and then we'll actually talk about economics. Uh, this is the personal wealth coach. Uh, I'm disclosing that because you might want to run away immediately. Uh, it is also the name. This program is also shares the name with uh, a SEC registered investment advisory firm. It's not coincidental, though the program predates the firm. Uh, the firm was founded by the two bald-bearded fellows. I almost said gentlemen, but I would have been scoffed at. Um, these two bald-bearded fellows founded the firm well after the uh, radio program was in effect. Um, but just because the firm is registered with the SEC to give fiduciary investment advice doesn't mean we can do that on the air, even though we're the same people on a radio program. Why? Because investment advice is, number one, private. Number two, we got to know the people that we're giving advice to in a very clear way. And I'm maybe, maybe this is pure dreaming, but I hope that there are people listening to us that we've never met. That's, I know that's a stretch. It is a stretch, but I can hope. Uh, so the, all of those mean that we can't give you advice on the air in its truly fiduciary form. So what are we doing? We're just talking then. Well, hopefully we're educating you. Hopefully we can tell you what's happening in the world and what it means and why things happen like that throughout history. Um, so it's educational. Um, we don't pay for this radio program. I know that's weird. Saturday morning financial people talking on the air and it's not a paid commercial program. We do advertise on the, on the station they advertise on the station. We both advertise for the program. We've been doing this for, what, 26 years for free. They don't pay us. We don't pay them. We're supposed to be economists. That doesn't seem like a good equitable trade for our time. We're hoping it's an investment in the listening ears that hopefully, maybe, possibly, some people make better decisions in the local economy and in the broader economy, and that we'll all benefit from that. 
I know that's a very, very distant version of an investment, but it is the pure definition of capitalism, my friends. Read Adam Smith. So that is all of our, yes, those are all of my disclosures. Uh, But you have one. Elder Baldy has... The information, go ahead. I was going to say, I was going to lead up to this. You have worked hard on this for decades. I remember you saying this before we had a radio program. So you have this down. So please go ahead. Or it has me up as the case may be. Something's being propped around here somewhere. The information we present on this educational radio program has been obtained from sources we deem to be reliable. However, we make no warranty or guarantee that the information presented is complete or accurate. I just had to give you some cheering crowd because you did that so well. You know, all people love to hear legalese disclosures. So I thought you should have some appreciation for it. Okay. So we have a question out there from uh, Inquisitor John. Can, Can you take that question, please? Are the cultures of China and Japan similar, which will contribute to the Chinese experiencing a lost economic decade like Japan in the 80s? Well. You could say the cultures of China and Japan are similar from our perspective, but our perspective um, from the, let's put it like this, from the Chinese and Japanese perspective, the United States and Western Europe have almost identical cultures. But if you come into the United States or Western Europe, we would say, oh, no, no, their culture is very different from ours. Um, So the simple answer to that is yes and no. But that's not a very good answer for John, and I certainly appreciate that. The reality is China, like Japan, has come from being a developing country behind the power curve. Low wages, uh, built cheap when I was younger, much younger. Uh, Made in Japan meant cheap. Uh, Made in Japan meant mass-produced with low-wage labor. Made in China meant that at one point. But both of them have moved on to a different position. Japan became very wealthy by supplying the United States and Europe with inexpensive labor and lots of mass production. And they received a tremendous inflow of money from the United States and from Europe, as particularly from the United States, as we bought stuff from Japan. So Japan became flush with cash uh, and started spending it recklessly. But something happened. Their economy, their population stagnated. The for the for the same reason, and it has nothing. I don't know if it may have something to do with culture, the, the culture of loss of face. But we early in our history made the same mistake, and that is not allowing failure. In other words, the state-owned institutions and banks in Japan were insolvent by U.S. standards, and the government kept supporting them, which decreased the loan availability, which basically got Japan stuck in a stag, stagnant position. And, the, for example, the yen lost its value by a factor of 10 compared with the dollar during that period. Is China headed the same way? Yes, but not necessarily because of a cultural similarity. It's headed that way because of an economic development similarity and a groupthink that's going on in China right now. Well, actually, it's not even a groupthink. It's G-think, who has become an absolute dictator. And as a result of becoming an absolute dictator, uh, he's stifling their economy. And they, by the way, are in economically in a world of hurt right now. Whether or not they will take the necessary actions to get out of that world of hurt is yet to be seen. Okay. So here's my my take on it. It's very similar. I'm going to focus in on culture, but more from, you know, culture comes from something. So the culture of, of 
loans, interest on loans, is a very Western European concept. Holland and the United Kingdom really kind of pushed that up into what is now the world. So culturally, how you deal with loans is, oddly enough, relatively new stuff. Yes, there have been loans in every country throughout history, but how those loans are treated is it's wildly different. So the kind of standard we have is that um, you have an interest charge on loans. Okay, so what does that have to do with culture? Japan was coming from a very feudal culture, a monarchy or warlordism um, coming up into the mid-20th century. They switched to a free market capitalist system, but many of the great old families, uh, Suzuki, Honda, the names that we know as their company names are not company names, though they are a company. They're the names of noble families. So when you have a noble family who has a lot of debt that they're having trouble paying, banks have a cultural um, push from everyone, everywhere, the government on down to the everyday citizens of you don't destroy these ancient families. So we had zombie companies. Um, Compare that to what's happening in China. China is also looks right now from the perspective of of history the way its economy looks right now also looks very feudal it's just not passed from father to son until the last generation or two this is very strange when the communist party came in they got rid of all of that they called it corruption they called it um, they had a lot of different names for uh, treating family members of important officials differently than other people. Well, that's all gone out the window. People talk about China being a communist country. The only thing that's really communist about China anymore is the name of the political party. The CCP, the, the Chinese Communist Party, um, that, that, that name is the only communism left. If you look at what is, what are the principles of communism? Well, you take from the rich and you give to the poor. It's very Robin Hoody. It's got this great kind of, oh, feel good. They don't, they don't deserve to have that much. And these people down here deserve to have more. Deserve is a really hard concept, but this, this feeling of fairness that doesn't exist in China. It didn't exist in China for the last 30 plus years. They've had a, a, a switch, just like in Russia, it took the fall of the communist government for it to stop being communist. In China, it didn't. It just changed. It became an empire of multiple countries. And so the culture there now on what do you do with, with companies that aren't doing well, the article that John sent has a reference to Evergrande, and those of you have heard that before. What is Evergrande? What Evergrande? What is that? Um, Evergrande is a it's a it's a real estate development company. It is not the tanker that blocked the Suez Canal. So people that are thinking, oh, I've heard that name before. No, it's not the tanker. That was a cool. It was a big roadblock. It was a tanker doing that. That's not the same. Um, Evergrande is a big real estate development company, and it's very large, own, largely owned by China, the government of China. A lot of state-owned companies have some partial private ownership as well. So the loans to these companies, 
are actually loans from the government to the government. So how do you foreclose on that? How do, how does that work? It'd be like the U.S. Congress seizing assets of the government to pay Social Security. Um, it's it's like your uncle going back and taking the iPhone from your nephew and saying, we're selling this for food. It's not really a foreclosure. The ownership hasn't really changed. So there's some issues there in that a lot of the bonds that are held by the government that were used to purchase into these big real estate stuff are owed back to the people of China. The vast majority of the debt of the Chinese companies and country is held by Chinese citizens. So the culture reason is very different, but they still have an imperative to not allow these companies to fail. And so I'm going to wrap this up. While we say loans and interest is relatively new from Western Europe, bankruptcy is even newer, and it came from Texas. The way we look at bankruptcy across the world came from Texas. When Texas established itself as a country, we won't go into the ethics of when revolt or revolution is the right word to use or any of that. It became a country, the Republic of Texas. And the vast majority of its governing body was wanted in other lands for bankruptcy, as in federal warrants for bankruptcy. There was a battle between the U.S. cavalry and the Texas Rangers on the border of Texas, gun battle, as they were chasing uh, people wanted for debt. They had debtor's prison at that point all over the planet. If you failed to pay your debts, you went to prison until you worked that off. That's what a lot of indentured servitude came from. Uh, it was a, a contractual, contractual form of slavery that had an end date. So it's not the same as slavery, which is just for life until you can possibly maybe emancipate yourself by buying yourself out. Both systems are really horrible. They're bad for productivity. They're bad for morale. It's uh, the floggings will continue until morale improves. No, that doesn't work. But Texas said, hey, you can get bankruptcy here, which means that you have a longer payment time period to pay off debts and you can't go to prison for it. The only kind of debt that you can still go and go to prison, well, there's two, that you can still go to prison for. Do you know what they are? What are the two no. kinds? what are the two kinds of debt? Two kinds of debt you can still go to prison for. The IRS? Yep, and not paying child support. Oh, can you go to prison for not child support? Absolutely. I you just had your wages, uh, wages seized. If, if you still refuse or cannot get it, they put you in jail. Uh, and you can go to prison if you still don't pay. Uh, mm. Yeah, this is the there's is the only forms of debtor prison that still exist. And before Texas, it was just commonplace for any debt to have the potential for prison time if you didn't pay it. And Sam Houston, who was the second president of the United States, was nope. uh, not of the United States, the second president of the United States of Texas, the one state of Texas, the second president of Texas, went while he was president in Texas, he was wanted on felony debt crimes, as was Davy Crockett before he died, Daniel Boone. You go through the list of these great heroes of the state of Texas, they were all deadbeats and losers, and we built a law around the idea of forgiveness of debt. And the businesses around it said, this is horrible, but the, the 
benefit it has given to the economy to have a pressure relief valve. In the case of bad debts, it doesn't just sit there for 19 generations. Uh, and that's the way debt used to go. It went just like if you got a will that said you get grandpa's fortune. If you weren't so lucky, you got grandpa's debts uh, and they were on you forever. You the same inheritance rules. So it's a weird concept. It's still extremely new to say, oh, you owe me money. Well, you can pay me less or not at all. And I won't put you in prison. So the bankruptcy laws of the United States are not held everywhere. If they were used in Japan, they wouldn't have had the lost decade, but a lot of major families would have lost face. If they were used in China right now, <laughs> many, many, many of the companies of China would fail. They would be bankrupt. Uh, if they were used by governments of many countries, they would fail. So there, there are, are good reasons to use bankruptcy laws they do in the article that, that Inquisitor Johnson and talks about taking the short-term pain for a longer-term gain. Sounds like we're talking about exercise, but it is kind of exercising the demons of bankruptcy. You're getting out these bad debts that do not ever have a chance of actually being paid, but you can just leave them on the books forever and cause everyone associated with that to be completely unproductive. For the rest of their lives. Uh, if you have a federal tax lien on yourself, you can't own property well, you can't, you can't start a business. There's so many things you cannot do that would conceivably allow you to get out of debt if you had the ability to earn. And we took that concept of, well, we'll put you in prison until you pay off your debts, and we're going to pay you at uh, one one hundredth of the minimum wage. That's not really a effective way of getting out of debt. You just took somebody out of the workforce and they're not going to work hard and they're not, I mean, it's just not a good system. And, and you look like you have some things to add to it now that we have talked the culture into the ground here. Well, there's a, there's a prime example um, of what's going on out there and, and it's called Country Garden. It is the largest real estate developer in China. And when you're the largest real estate developer in the most populous nation in the world, you're big. And, and, and when that are, is the largest single part of the economy of right. China is real estate development. Well, internally, internally. exports. So one-third of the economy is real estate development. Okay. And um, not very long ago, like a couple of years ago, Country Garden Holdings were $15, $16 a share on the Hong Kong exchange. And these are Hong Kong dollars. Um, they're now 90% lower. And the reason, they're in, and their bonds are in worse shape than that. And the reason is they're probably, they are teetering on the edge of bankruptcy. Evergrande got there. The Chinese government stepped in. If the Chinese government doesn't step in and Country Gardens Holdings goes under, it will be roughly the equivalent of when Lehman Brothers was allowed to fail in the United States because of real estate speculation. And if you recall, that caused the Great Recession and the government stepped in after that and said, we can't have any more of those because it exposed a whole series of underlying companies. AIM. AIG. Down. Why did it go? AIG went down. Because it turned out that AIG was invested heavily in bonds issued by Lehman Brothers. No, it didn't go completely down. It was rescued. But the, it needed to be rescued. And this is the point. If they allow Country Garden Holdings to go under, it will reveal who, has, who holds the bonds of Country Garden Holdings and suddenly won't 
have any money, which will cause those companies to start to fail. And the Chinese are very, the Chinese government is very, very, very much aware of this. On the other hand, if they prop them up and don't allow them to go down because of the way their society runs, which is far less diverse than ours, they easily could be in the position of entering into the Japanese trap of having non-functioning companies because a bond is a loan. If, if I'm, if, if you, the XYZ corporation issues a thousand dollar bond, whoever buys it is loaning a thousand dollars to the corporation. And in many cases, it is other institutions that purchase those bonds. They have purchased a lot of those bonds. And in China, they're often encouraged to purchase the bonds by the government, but that's their holdings. And if, uh, and, and in many cases in China, they carry that thousand dollar bond, as we've discovered. American companies, banks often do too. That $1,000 bond, they carried it at $1,000 of value, despite the fact that they sold it on the open market, it would be worth a lot less, um, which is what happened at uh, Silicon Valley Bank and some other places. China is facing that issue again, but it's facing that issue in a time when there's 20 plus percent unemployment among younger educated workers, when their population is shrinking, and when Western investment in production in China. Now, we understand what I mean by Western investment in production. A lot of the tremendous growth that China has seen, a very, very significant and, and critical portion of the growth that China has seen over the last decade and two, man, last two decades, is American companies investing in buildings and equipment in China to make things. And they, of course, China has claimed credit for that. Look, all these people are coming here to invest in China, so we're really cool. Now, this is a no. part, this is a big part of the reason why real estate development is such a big part of the economy of China, because a lot of that development took place from Western money building infrastructure, building factories, and building housing for the workers of those factories. The issue is a lot of people went to work for these Western companies. They got educated, highly educated, so they could work at the technical level for these companies. I would, I would say they, trained rather than educated, but that's close. Well, enough. no, they went to school. They went to school. Right, right. And they learned uh, advanced technology and management and lots of things that the government there considered important to staffing these new Western companies coming in and doing all this investment. That's who's not finding jobs. And the reason they're not finding jobs is the West has stopped investing in production facilities in China because China has done two things. One, they have shown themselves to be unreliable as they did the shutdown during COVID. Uh, secondly, they have shown themselves to be hostile to Western interests because A, they steal patented information and B, they've just not been nice in any form or fashion to Westerners recently. There was a time when Westerners were welcomed in China and treated very reasonably, and that's not true anymore. Uh, they keep getting, they keep arresting Westerners in China, and it's no, they're notorious at this point. If you take a laptop into China, if you're in a corporate environment and you have a laptop and you're going to go to China, they give you a laptop to take to China with nothing on it that's important. And then they destroy the laptop when you get back. And the reason is the Chinese would have put spyware of all kinds on your laptop. They want to steal everything you have. I, I that have, is not a reliable partner. I have followed and, and, a series of YouTube channels for years of Westerners, expats in China, being absolutely in love and fascinated by the Chinese culture going to these big electronic bazaars where they have old ladies sitting in alleyways re-soldering circuit boards. And it's a normal part of China. And so they did YouTube videos like how cheaply can you put together a cell phone using parts that you buy from these secondhand electronics bazaars. Things like that. These are not 
crazy videos talking about the horrible government or anything like that. Over the past multiple years, first first the lockdown was started before that with the the trade war. Uh, Westerners were assigned government operatives to watch over them wherever they went. They have enough government operatives to more than one-on-one follow around the Westerners. And they were doing that. They were employing a full-time government employee to just wander around behind this person who has a semi-permanent visa and makes YouTube videos in China. Uh, And this was normal. It was happening to all Westerners. And then it went up to two people. And a lot of those YouTube channels that I used to watch just to dig into what's really happening in the economy over there, what's, what, is the, what do people look like? What are they doing day to day? Those people have left. They're not making the videos anymore. They got pushed out of China by it just becoming unwelcome. It, they weren't able to buy things at the same prices as other people, even when they spoke the language. So it, it was a dramatic shift that took place over a very short period of time. And at the same time, when manufacturing is leaving China or there's cutbacks, the very first people that get laid off or fired is quality control. And we've all seen that when we order things that we know we got from China and they're cheap. Five years ago, they were at least semi-reliable. And we've done almost full episodes just on this. There are cutthroat battles happening in the Chinese economy right now between um, merchants. And there, it's a race to the bottom to see who can make it the cheapest, which means the lowest quality. So just even if you buy an item from China, the next time you buy it from them, it's likely to be less quality. That is backed up with lots of trade statistics. Anyway, so we've been... The issue... We have John thoroughly prevented ourselves from going to China now. <laughs> the, the, the issue that John asked about, are, they, are, there, are the cultures the same? There's probably some similarity in cultures, but there's also radical differences. Their economic, their method of economic uh, development is not, is not dissimilar. It's not in other words, it isn't, it isn't the same, but it's running along the same parallel. For whatever it's worth, we did similar crazy things in the early years, the early centuries of the United States. We did some really crazy things from time to time that were just as screwy as anything the Chinese or Japanese did. It seems to be a natural development in a socioeconomic system to come to believe one's own propaganda. Now, the difference is, in the United States, we had a very decentralized, diversified government because of our founding fathers' positions and what they put in the Constitution. It's an awkward, uncomfortable government that we have. In many ways, we, like most Chinese, would prefer a dictatorship. There's a certain significant number of people in the United States who would prefer to abolish the Constitution and have a single person at the head telling everybody what to do. There's also a very significant group of people in the United States who want that over their dead bodies. I mean, they won't accept it under any circumstances. We go through these periods of time. The globe goes through these periods of time when, particularly when we're having rapid advances socioeconomically and technologically at the same time. Right. When that happens, we become very insecure, particularly the people with lower skill levels that can be replaced by technology become very insecure. And that's perfectly normal. And we're out of time for this hour. We'll talk more about that. Why is it rising? Why was it falling? We'll talk more about it. We predicted the rise. We also predicted the fall. 
So we'll we'll talk. And it's weird. We're talking about how much we're predicting things, and we'll talk about all the things that we got wrong if we can remember any of them. We have selective memories. Um, but if you would like to talk to us off the air, we actually do give investment advice and portfolio management to people of relatively high net worth. Um, you can reach us first. You can call us locally. We've got voicemail waiting there during the weekend. Real live people, no phone trees during the week. Uh, locally, the number is 254-947-1111. And should you still have a landline, you can reach us toll-free at 1-800-914-7526. That's 800-914-PLAN. You can go to our webpage, thepersonalwealthcoach.com or tpwc.com, where you can read our newsletters and sign up for it. It comes out every Friday. You can listen to radio programs going back a long ways. You can contact us through the contact forum or Jeff at tpwc.com, or Jake at tpwc.com. You can find podcasts wherever they are. Till next hour, this is the Personal Wealth Coach.